Welcome back, everybody, to another Vince August podcast up to episode 30. Um, we had a couple other episodes in there that we did by name and not number. Um, wanted to hit on some international stuff um, that if, I, one of story definitely affects people here at home. Um, and then I'll get into the one uh, United States story. But it was, it was funny. I put up a post today on Facebook and, you know, talking about international stuff and whether or not people care. Because I, I just can't do all social media United States related Bruce Jenner Kardashian nonsense. That's not me. I'm, I'm not going to talk about The Bachelor or, you know, the stuff that's just trending um, in within the four walls of the United States. This is on Potomatic. Uh, this is on iTunes, which is worldwide. And I have listeners from all over the world. So I want to hit world events. Um, three stories I'm going to focus on on this podcast. One being um, an animal issue, um, animal rights, food versus pet. Uh, I want to talk about a huge sporting event that just completed that involved a World Cup um, where billions of people watched. Not millions, billions of people watched. And the United States was completely oblivious to it. And then finally, we'll get into the presidential election season, which has already kicked off here in the United States uh, with the first candidate throwing their hat on the ring from the Republican side. And I will make some comments about that. But let's start off with the story that I saw. And really, it, as much as the story was a thing, I wound up getting caught up in the comment section and a lot of what was going back and forth. And I'm going to read to you from the USA Today. This is an article from March 21st. 2015. Uh, the name of the article is Dogs Saved from Korean Dog Meat Farm Arrive in California. Um, and the story is by Michael Winter. Nearly 60 South Korean dogs raised for slaughter have arrived in Northern California to begin new lives as human companions instead of dinner. The Humane Society International and the Change for Animals Foundation rescued the 57 adults and puppies from a dog meat farm outside Seoul, whose owner agreed to get rid of the business and grow chili peppers instead. The canines ranging from beagles, poodles, Korean jindos, and mastiff-like tosas began arriving this week in San Francisco, where the local SPCA is caring for them until they are ready for adoption around the region. Um, the dogs had lived under cool conditions, crammed into small, dark, filthy, unheated cages. They were destined for markets where their kind are electrocuted, hanged, or beaten to death before butchering. The rescue and farm conversion was the second since January, when 23 dogs were removed from a similar operation in the South Korean countryside. So we're up to 70 dogs saved from South Korea, basically raised on a farm as food, as food. Here's the article continues. These incredible animals have survived unthinkable conditions and suffering as part of the dog meat industry. 
They deserve to spend the rest of their lives in loving homes, said Jennifer Chung, vice chair of the San Francisco SPCA Board of Directors. Ultimately, we're hoping to completely end the practicing of consuming dogs as food. So you have to realize this is a practice. This is a regular practice. Dogs raised as food. Ready for this? This is the rest of the article. Please listen to this. South Korea has thousands of dog meat farms and an estimated 2 million farm-raised canines there are killed for food annually. You know, I have to read that again. South Korea has thousands of dog meat farms and an estimated 2 million farm-raised canines there are killed for food annually. The Humane Society said animal activists are also targeting China, where tens of thousands of dogs, all allegedly snatched from owners or the streets, from owners or the streets, end up in hot pots, during summer solstice, dog meat festivals. Since August, more than 8,000 dogs had been rescued en route to slaughterhouses. I mean, this is unbelievable. 1,000 dogs a month. Um, HSI has partnered with the growing animal rights movement in Asia to end dog meat trade in Vietnam, Thailand, Cambodia, and Laos. Okay, so we have 2 million in China. We have South Korea. I'm sorry, no, we have 2 million in South Korea. We have China. We have no idea. Tens of thousands. Now we also throw into the mix Vietnam, Thailand, Cambodia, Laos, four other countries. There is a belief. Now, this is the rest of the article. There is a belief that dog meat is beneficial for your health particularly during hot months, said Adam Paranskodola, who headed the rescue. It's really primarily the older population that consumes dog meat. Most of the younger population does not consume the meat, and they're not interested in consuming it. Animal rights groups see the 2018 Winter Olympics in uh, Pyeongchang, South Korea, as an opportunity to work with the government and farmers to change the attitudes about raising, eating, and caring for dogs. In South Korea, there is a tendency to keep only purebred dogs as pets, and there is little interest in adopting meat dogs. Do you understand what that means? If a dog is a mutt, that's not a pet. It's meat let that sink in. If you have a dog that is not purebred, that's food. The article continues. President and CEO of the U.S. Humane Society, we are focusing on a public awareness campaign to close the gap in perception between a pet dog and a meat dog, something that is already happening with the increase in the pet industry throughout Asia. Well, I have to tell you, that was one of the more disturbing articles I have ever read on the Internet. Um, I am, as 
many of you may or may not know, an animal lover. Um, I have one tattoo on my body. It is the paw print of my last dog that I had. Um, it was a Maltese. Loved this dog to death. He used to sleep on the left side of my body and kind of hold my arm at night. So in his tribute, I had a paw print taken, an imprint of his paw. We had it set as a print on paper, and it's on my left bicep as a mark. Basically, my dog left his mark on me. Um, I had a Siberian Husky growing up. And just recently have taken in another dog um, who is a half Shih Tzu, half Poodle. Dog lover. Animal lover. Now, let's get into my hypocrisy. I'm going to say it was about seven years ago, eight years ago, I stopped eating um, many forms of meat. <clears throat> I no longer eat beef. I don't eat goat. I don't eat pork. Um, the, in fact, let me tell you the only things I do eat because it's a lot easier to do that. My first choice is always fish, always some sort of fish, preferably not farm-raised, wild. My only other food choices are chicken and turkey. I, again, majority of the time lean fish. I'm slowly becoming a pescatarian. Now, Part of the reason why I did that is because I do love animals and I can never see myself killing an animal for food, um, at least all of the animals that I do not eat. Do I own leather shoes? Absolutely. Do I have a leather belt? Yes, I do. I understand and I acknowledge the hypocrisy in some of what I am preaching. Do I own you know, a, a closet full of leather, not even close. I, I have literally two pairs of leather shoes. I have, I think, three leather belts. That's about as far as it goes. Um, I try to be aware of that. So that is my own hypocrisy. And people said to me, well, why'd you do it? I did it for a couple of reasons. One, my love for animals. Um, I look into the eyes of certain animals and I see something more than just an animal. I just do. Um, and I have the mental capacity to think, rationalize, and understand I have certain choices. Now, within the animal kingdom, animals eat animals. I understand that. I understand that we are a carnivore. Now, listen, I am not preaching that everyone should become vegetarian. This is not what this is about. These are my choices. This is me outlining who I am and what I'm about, so that when I get into this topic, you know my perspective. One of the things I saw on the comment section of the article and the story, which is worldwide, the two things going back and forth was some people saying, hey, listen, two million dogs can feed a lot of people. You will end hunger in many nations if you stop looking at dogs as anything more than livestock. They're animals. They're here for us to consume. The other argument is, are you nuts? 
Dogs are pets. They are friends. They have ability to reason. They have emotion. They have, um, you know, they've been bred and they've been taken in to families as family members. They're not just, you know, a pet. It's not like a wild bird or a fish or, you know, they have some type of emotion there. Now, there are, those are the two schools of thought. One of the arguments I saw being made by people and the last names weren't all Korean. These were not Asian names, at least not on the on the thread that I was reading. And in fact, the people were writing in perfect English. That's not to say that people from Korea can't write in perfect English. This seemed to be a debate here. And I think part of the people taking the side of the debate of, hey, animals are food and they're here to be consumed. Again, you have hunters. You have farmers. You have people that look and say, hey, listen, this is what they are. And one of the things that I saw is, so, you know, there was a person saying, you know, how can you look at a dog as food considering the relationship that people have with pets? If you look at, you know, how we've come to take them in and bring them into homes and everything else. And someone said, well, do you eat pork to the person? What's the difference between a pig and a dog. Do you know the way pigs are slaughtered en masse in the United States? Electrocution, throat slit, mistreated, beaten, abused, hung. Same exact way those dogs are being treated in South Korea and most of Asia. So who are you, American dog lover, to say, bacon, mmm, dog, oh my God, you're sick and disgusting. And I have to tell you, I completely agree with that person. From my perspective, I am in full agreement. I think there is a lot of hypocrisy for a person to say and preach, you know what? Dog equals pet, pig equals food. I think you have to really be careful with making that argument and realizing where you're coming from. Same thing with people that eat lamb, people that eat veal, people that eat any type of meat, beef or otherwise. There's, you know, you have to really stop and think, well, what makes one a pet and what makes the other food? Now, I would never taste dog. I would never eat dog. Again, don't forget, I've given up a range of food. And I was raised by Sicilian immigrants. We ate everything. I grew up eating pig's feet. I grew up eating tripe, stomach lining. There was um, a sandwich I remember I had when I was in Sicily as a kid. When I was in Palermo at this market, it was called Melza. And I'm like, what the hell is Melza? And I ate it. And at the time as a kid, I'm like, oh, my God, that's delicious. You know, there's some names you don't learn as an Italian kid growing up to know what the hell they mean. It turns out Melza is the gallbladder of the cow. Delicious. Delicious. Looking back, disgusting. It's a spleen, basically. You're eating cow spleen. Um, you know, again, as a kid, this was part of the culture that we grew up in. You didn't waste food. You didn't waste the animal. My mother grew up on a farm. There was, you know, when you when you slaughtered a cow, you ate and used and consumed snout to tail. It is the way it is. 
And here farms in the United States, again, even the organic farms, when they slaughter an animal, snout to tail is being used. What is to say dog equals pet, dog equals food? And not say the same thing for cow, pig, chicken, turkey, goat, um, you know, the, the lamb, um, duck. You know, the, the, the argument is very, very tough. For me, again, I'm more of an animal person. I'm more of an animal activist. You know, and to say, and some people make the, you know, the, the conclusion, well, you take some animals like deer. They're, they're just wild animals. They're out in the wild, and they're meant to be hunted and consumed, and we have an overpopulation. And bear, no one's keeping bear as a pet, and tigers. And again, I, I'm, I really, I would love to have somebody on my podcast if you're out there and you want to debate this, explain it to me, make it make sense to me, um, please contact me and I would love to have you on the podcast as to how we draw the line as entire nations and societies to tell one country you're wrong. That's not food. But yet here in our own country, consume a different type of animal that they can very easily turn around and say, well, well, I'll tell you what, we'll stop eating dog when you stop eating pig. I mean, that that's, that's a good argument for another nation to raise. It really is. So, you know, it's, it's really tricky. And listen, the jokes have been out there. You know, you walk past a Chinese restaurant and you, you know, they're, they're not, that's not chicken. That's cat. And that's this. Jokes aside here, jokes aside, really, how are we as a nation supposed to raise awareness around the world as to protecting certain animals when we mistreat animals within our own country? I think we have to show our own hypocrisy first, as I did in this podcast, and say, listen, here's my hypocrisy, but... Here's my position. And again, I have made an affirmative stance. I've given up eating a majority of the forms of meat, chicken and turkey. That's all I'm down to. I did it for conscious reasons with regards to animal care, with regards to health reasons as well. I feel better since I stopped eating meat. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I have my dog. Every now and then I get my dog a bone from the butcher shop. I get a, a lamb bone. So I'm giving my dog a lamb bone. Someone can easily say to me, well, Vin, you don't eat lamb, but you just gave your dog a lamb bone. You're just as guilty. To me, again, in the animal kingdom, animals eat animals. It's part of it. I, for whatever reason, can make sense in my mind to do that. Is it hypocritical? Possible, probable, likely. You tell me. Um, but I, you know, I don't have a problem with animals killing animals in the animal kingdom. That's part of their thing. I think as human beings, I think we have an obligation to treat other living creatures on this planet with dignity, with a certain amount of respect. I am disgusted by people hunting animals for sport. I am completely outraged and disgusted, I think, 
anybody who hunts an animal for a sport, purely sport, meaning just I'm going to go out, I'm going to shoot this thing, I'm going to take its horn, and I'm going to stuff it and put it in my room as a trophy, I think you're a sick, disturbed human being. I think you have some serious issues with regards to your lack of humanity, your lack of care for the living creatures on this planet. That's just me. So the sport thing, you're never going to convince me of. But I would love to hear from people with regards to, again, you know, how how are we not hypocritical as Americans pointing fingers to Asia and saying, you're disgusting for eating dog when we consume the animals we consume here. So, again, I was reading the thread. I was going back and forth with the people arguing, and a lot of people that were pro-dog equals meat had a lot of points that other than vegetarians, other than people that are maybe like me, pescatarian, really didn't have a basis to stand on. In my mind, you lose the argument when the person says, eat pig, eat cow. Well, you know what? We consider them pets. Now, we think you're a barbaric. It's a tough argument. Tough time, a tough way to win that argument. Okay, that's the first story. The second story I want to cover, you know, I it amazes me in this country, in the United States, how we really isolate ourselves from things going on in the world if they don't have significance here in America, we don't consider them newsworthy. And the interesting thing I'm going to bring up is we have our Super Bowl every year, which is teetering on becoming a national holiday. Our Super Bowl used to be about the end of a season, the two best teams, or maybe not the two best teams, the two teams that advance to the championship game play each other, and this is the the NFL championship. Over the course of time, and I think really the 80s and 90s is where it really took off, the Super Bowl became a spectacle. It became about the commercials. It became about the halftime show. It became about who's singing the national anthem. It is a spectacle. This is our big sports spectacle because it's all wrapped up in one day with a nice bow on it. The World Series in baseball, not so much because it's a four out of seven series. It's tougher to sell the one day. Hockey, half the people ignore, um, if not more. Basketball is is an acquired taste, too, like hockey. Um, March Madness has become more of that spectacle thing because of tournaments and brackets and people in pools. So, But the, but the NFL and the Super Bowl is very distinguished that way, and, and we're very proud of it. And we love to talk about how many people are watching the Super Bowl worldwide. We make a big deal about how everybody in the world is watching the Super Bowl. And we make sure that we go in and the the cameras show, look, this is the Super Bowl being broadcast in Spanish, and this is the Super Bowl being broadcast in in German, and this and that, and, and all over the world, everybody's watching the Super Bowl. But yet, when it's the other way around, and there's a world event, it amazes me how many Americans get so defensive about how insignificant other world championships are because we don't have a stake in it. And I'm going to bring up the first thing, which is the Soccer World Cup. And it amazes me 
at the ignorance of people in this country when they try to downplay the significance of the World Cup soccer championships, football internationally, as being a big event. All of a sudden, how many times do I see people tweet or post on Facebook and social media? All of a sudden, people are watching soccer. You didn't watch soccer for four years. All of a sudden, you're watching soccer. Well, first of all, that's an ignorant statement because the entire world is watching soccer. Everybody is watching soccer. We have a country that has a very strong immigrant population that watches a ton of international soccer. Me. In particular, I watch Serie A Italian football weekly. I watch the UEFA Champions League whenever it's on. I watch the Euro Cup whenever it's on. So I am one of those people, again, son of immigrants that grew up watching soccer. Soccer is part of my culture. It's part of my background. It's something that I watch. It's amazing to me, though, the more Americanized people that frown on it as, oh, just because the United States is now all of a sudden doing well, now we're going to be into soccer. You know, when you guys aren't into soccer, how come I never hear you post about soccer? All year long? How about, well, first of all, me posting about Palermo in Serie A is not something anyone cares about. And it's personal to me. I don't have to post about it. When the World Cup comes around and everybody's watching it and it's the thing that's trending, yeah, now I will post about it because we're all relating to it. We're all starting to dig into our national pride. Now, maybe as an American, you don't have any national heritage in a nation that has a soccer team. And because you are so... um, You have such a lack of empathy towards the United States soccer team, to you it's insignificant. But make no mistake about it. Ignorant... United States American sports fan. The most famous athletes, the most recognizable athletes in the world, ranked one and two, are Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. Soccer players. Not football players, not baseball players, not basketball players. Soccer players. Within the top ten... You have two cricket players. You have multiple tennis players. And you have people that play golf that are not Tiger Woods. I think you get to LeBron James somewhere number 10 in the world. Okay? So we're not even in the top 10 with our so-called popular sports that everyone loves. And the reason I bring this up is because the Cricket World Championships just concluded uh, last night and Australia defeated New Zealand, which for those of you that don't know, that is as much, if we can equate it to sports and sticking with the sports theme. In baseball, that's like the Yankees and Red Sox meeting in the World Series. Hatred, disdain, competition. That's like... Jets, Giants, Cowboys, Steelers, Raiders, 49ers. Take the rivalry, make it your own. Same thing with hockey. That's Toronto versus Montreal. Okay? Rangers and Islanders. 
This is the type of matchup Austria and New Zealand was. And let me tell you about the teams that played in the Cricket World Cup. They are as follows. New Zealand was in Pool A. This is Pool A. New Zealand, Australia, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, England, Afghanistan, Scotland. Pool B, India, South Africa, Pakistan, West Indies, Ireland, Zimbabwe, United Arab Emirates. These are major world players right now in the news. These are ways to look at these other cultures that we hear about in terms of war, in terms of the hunt for Osama bin Laden, in terms of terrorism, in terms of all of the things we're hearing about. You know what? There's another side to these countries, such as cricket, that we're completely oblivious to. And worse than that, we don't care to become familiar with. I made it a point this year to keep up with the Cricket World Cup because I wanted to see what this effect was on different parts of the world. And you're talking about England. You're talking about Ireland. You're talking about Scotland. All the way across to Asia, all the way down to Australia, the only part of the world that has been left out by cricket, North America, South America. I don't know what the feeling is in South America, but the just complete disregard for any type of news about this topic, about this world event to me shows how isolated we are as a nation to me the fact that people are consumed with the kardashians and bruce jenner and and all of the you know the housewife shows and and all of the the social pop culture stuff but yet we are oblivious to world events and let me tell you how big of a world event we're talking about super bowl gets about 1 billion people to watch the game worldwide I want you to think about this. The India-Pakistan game, the game between India and Pakistan, had 1.5 billion viewers. 1.5 billion viewers. That beats our Super Bowl by 500 million people more than the population of the United States. So, you know, I want to tell people, listen, you got to look beyond the Continental 48. You got to look beyond the 50. You got to look beyond North America. You got to look beyond sometimes to kind of have an awareness of what's going on around the world in order to appreciate the cultures of other countries, to have an understanding of another culture other than what has been shoved down our throat about Pakistan, Afghanistan, United Arab Emirates, which some people know nothing about, Zimbabwe, South Africa, India, 
I mean, don't you want to have an awareness and, and, and understand? The, because this is a huge part of their culture. 1.5 billion people watching a single game. That's a huge part of those people's cultures. So, you know, this is just kind of my way of telling everybody, come on, man, be aware of what else is going on. Last topic uh, I want to hit on, and I've seen a whole bunch of this stuff on The Daily Show, and I'm seeing it on social media. I'm seeing it on Facebook and Twitter. Ted Cruz announced that he is running for president, and, of course, all of the Democrat friends I have and all the Democrat people on social media immediately start ripping this guy apart for the idiot that he is and and how inexperienced he is and this and that. Listen, first of all, this is a guy who's basically saying, I want to run for president. Okay. You don't want to vote for him? You don't have to vote for him. You think he's not qualified for the job? That's fine. You want to start putting out your propaganda saying why this guy's not qualified? That's fine. I looked the guy up. He's nobody I would vote for, okay? I don't need to bash him because everybody's all over the place already bashing this guy. The Democrats, you've done a great job out there bashing this guy. And pretty soon, when the next Republican throws his hat in the ring, they will start bashing him as well, saying, this guy's better than that guy, so don't vote for Cruz. Vote for me because I'm better than him. And they'll start bashing because when we have primaries, that's what we do. We bash within our own house before we start bashing our neighbors. Okay. Now, here's my whole point about Ted Cruz throwing his hat in the ring at all. My question to everyone listening to this is, do we as a society deserve better than Ted Cruz and the likes? I got to tell you right now, I don't think we do. I really, when I look at our political system and the joke it has become between Hillary Clinton and this email mess, between this vote that went on in Congress with regards to giving veterans access to veterans hospitals, with regards to the filibustering going on to squeeze something in a bill that Democrats immediately play race card on everything when it's just nothing more than a gratuitous use of the race card. When I see the nonsense that has gone on with the different presidents, the disrespect for the Oval Office, the the way we mock our presidents, The way this president's being mocked as a non-citizen resident of the United States. Where's his birth certificate? The way George W. Bush was mocked that people actually referred to our president as retarded. That Bill Clinton and all of the impeachment and everything he went through with the Monica Lewinsky was since resurfaced, all of a sudden, leave him alone. It's his own private life. So what if he wants to get a BJ in the Oval Office? So what? That, you know, Ronald Reagan also, you look at his second terms and the whole Contra affair with weapons being sold and Oliver North dating back to Carter. 
Richard Nixon, who we refer to as Tricky Dick. Do we really deserve any better? Who wants that job? Who out there that is truly qualified to turn this country around would want that job? That thankless job. That what are you going to get out of it? What are you going to get out of it? A book deal? A library? That you're going to get thrown on a, a, a certificate of monetary value someday? That you're allowed to, that once you're done, you're going to go on a speech tour and make millions of dollars? Because I'll tell you right now, you're not going to get anything done as the president of the United States. You're not going to accomplish anything in this climate, in this country, where we've become so divided, Republican and Democrat. It's like it's a nationality. It's like it's, it's, like it's a gender. You either belong to one or the other. It's so despicable to see the way people align themselves blindly that they can never, ever, ever call out their side when their side is doing something wrong. It's really, we don't deserve anybody better than Ted Cruz and the like. We really don't. And you know what? The midterm elections showed just a lack of empathy. This, oh, the letter to Cong- don't forget the email to Iran. That debacle, that embarrassment, that Republicans are like, I didn't even know what I was signing. What? These are the people we have voted for and entrusted Congress. Do you think we really deserve a good president? Because I'll tell you what, I loved it when Ross Perot ran. I thought he was the change we needed in this country. An independent, wealthy man who didn't need any donations, didn't have to have dinners, who was ready to roll up his sleeves and say, I can fix this mess. I'm ready to do it. But the second that person comes out, what happens? Our, Our sick and twisted media which is, once again, propaganda-driven by the left or the right, attack the guy in the middle. Attack the guy in the middle. We don't want that guy. No, 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 no. We got to get rid of that one because he can't be bought. He can't be bargained with. We got to eliminate that one. Both sides agreed. Get those out of the way. I'm sorry. I Ted Cruz... You know what? You're perfect to run for president in this nation. And and listen, I know this podcast was very, you know what? We're dumb as people podcast. I know this was kind of, uh, you know, where are we going with this country type of podcast? I know it was how ignorant we are type of podcast. You know what? Somebody's got to say it. Somebody's got to say it because in this country, we're so oblivious to world events We're so sheltered and and cut off from the world. We're so wrapped up in our own pop culture. And if you honestly believe and you honestly think that you could be oblivious to what's going on in the world, if you honestly believe that what's happening in Yemen won't somehow affect us here, and if you don't know where Yemen is, it's south of Saudi Arabia, look it up, kind of get an idea of what's going on. A president actually ran for his life 
during a civil war. Imagine that. Here, if somebody bashes Obama, the Democrats, the people, they, they go in the corners and cry. They start right away ripping Republicans. You've got presidents running for their lives in other countries. Here you say one untoward thing and, and all of a sudden people start getting all in an uproar. Listen, I'm not saying some people are above criticism. I'm not saying we shouldn't question the president. Do it in a smart way, not in a satirical make fun of them way, and you will win me over. But all we've done is dead. We've just, we degrade the position. We make it such a, a, a thankless job. We make it a punchline of a joke. And then when somebody like Ted Cruz throws his name in the ring, you guys are ready to bash him? Get, guess what? No one worth their salt wants that job. There it is. Um, guys, again, if you're listening, I hope I have worldwide listeners because this was designed to go as much to you as my domestic listeners here. Really, people, pick up a newspaper, watch some world news, turn on the BBC, turn on CBC Canada. See what's going on somewhere else other than here. Believe it or not, there is a world outside The Bachelor. There is a world outside, you know, reality television. And it's, it's very eye-opening. You know, two million dogs being killed as food, not pets. Hopefully that's enough to make you think, you know what? I do need to look outside the 48, the continental 48, and see what's going on around the world. Wow, Vin, thank you. I didn't know that. Guys, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Vince August, um, I will continue with my weekly episodes. Next one I'm going to touch on, I got to get into the education system. Here's a teaser. I reached out to five different teachers and administrators to talk about the current state of our education system. All five declined the interview for fear of losing their job. That's where we are. Thank you for listening. Vince August.